0: What's the password? Hmm. Welcome to the Game Master Speakeasy. Brought to you by the record button.
1: Hello and welcome to the Game Master Speakeasy. My name is Cody. And I'm Lance. And I welcome you to come in off the street, come in to the warmth of the ever-burning hearth. Coming out of the rain today. Yeah, definitely coming in out of the rain today, at least where we live. (laughs) Uh, And coming out of the rain and the thunder, the precipitation, and grab an age-appropriate drink up at the bar where today's bartender, Anya, is serving. Uh, Today, uh, we are drinking a wonderful, delicious stout that we will talk about. We're going to answer yet another email question. However, also another email question from a listener who is in one of our gaming groups. It's okay. It's a valid question. It's a valid question from a valid listener. Uh, but it is a it is pretty good. I, I like the question. Valid-ish <laughs> listener. <laughs> oh, you've been called out. All right. Um, we've got a couple pieces of news to talk about. So grab a chair, get warmed up, and get relaxed because we want you to be... You know, in a good state of mind while we sit here and talk about one of my favorite things, tabletop role-playing games for at least 40 minutes. Probably. Probably 40 minutes. 40-ish minutes. 40-ish minutes of one of my favorite things. Uh, what about you, Lance? Do you like tabletop RPGs? I mean, I keep doing it, so I must. <laughs> I, I mean, a mean, lot of people keep I'm, doing I'm, their I'm, jobs. But but I, I'm making one, I'm playing several of them. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I do like the tabletops. Speaking of making one, let's talk about uh, the, the Titans. Well, they're not Titans. Wizards of the Coast is a Titan. But um, a very powerful... Competitor that I think is making quality products one right after another. Free League Publishing. Oh, yeah, Free League. Yes, we have talked before. Oh, oh by the way, um, I gave you um, Morkborg. Have you had any chance to read? Um, that yeah, I've read through a little bit of it. Um, the game by design,
0: I think the book is just chaotic because all the little writings in there are just all over the place. Yeah,
1: it's like a it's like a death metal. Album. Yeah,
0: but I do I do enjoy it. It is it is probably one of the most interesting tabletop books that I've read, just because of the way that it's laid out and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, and all that.
1: the artwork. And yeah,
0: all... I haven't finished it, but I mean, as a, as a big Metal fan to begin with, I really like the vibe that game puts
1: out. Oh, it, and it definitely puts out a very Metal vibe. The same people that made Morkborg, uh were the ones, I believe we have talked about it before, there was going to be a Kickstarter for an officially licensed Blade Runner tabletop RPG. We have talked about that. Yes. Where's that?
0: How's that coming along?
1: Uh, the Kickstarter has a little over two weeks left to go at the time of this recording and they've already raised over 1.2 million dollars. Nice. Yeah. So this is this is joining the ranks of very, very uh, profitable at least or very well-funded campaigns for tabletop games. Well, and
0: I have a soft spot for, you know, dystopian cyberpunk to begin with. So that's...
1: Blade Runner, The the... the the director's cut of Blade Runner and then Blade Runner 2049 are among some of my favorite movies. Yeah, so they're, they're good. They're very good. I'm very stoked to uh, check this out. I am on the fence about funding the Kickstarter, but I don't, because I don't, I just, in general, I don't fund a lot of Kickstarters. A lot of the time it's, I can wait for the product to come out. I mean, it sounds like they're not hard up for money, so <laughs> you you probably don't need to fund the Kickstarter to
0: make it happen. It sounds Whoa. like they've gotten plenty of... Uh, Plenty think, of money, so I mean, you'll you'll eventually get around to paying them when you buy the book.
1: Yeah, and uh, they'll,
0: they'll get their pound of flesh, I promise. <laughs> they might they, just they just might not get it in terms of pre order. No, but
1: I mean, it's it really comes up with when they've got goodies that mm-hmm. are going to be only available to Kickstarter people, or people that fund the Kickstarter. But I mean, the amount of money that they ask for, it's it's always funny to me when companies are like, oh. Uh, I think the the translation or not translation the conversion from uh, I actually don't know what what uh, SEK it's I think that's what is that Swedish the Swedish money I don't, don't know what it, I don't know what they're called but Kickstarter um, automatically converts it. So, the goal of 10,049 US dollars has been completely trounced. Oh, yeah, no, that's. As of this second, it's 1.256 uh, million. Yeah, they're, okay. they're doing fine. They're... they're doing great. I think this game will be. Uh... Oh, <laughs> sorry. Their, their tag thing says funded in three minutes. Yeah, I
0: was <laughs> going to say. It's, they're working with an IP that people are familiar with, something that I think translates well into a tabletop game. You know, I, and I think that that even even the Blade Runner IP aside, I think that Cyberpunk is generally a, a pretty uh, pretty well liked genre.
1: I think so too, uh, and it's yeah. Oh, sorry, I looked it up. It's the Swedish krona. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I know krona sounds familiar. Yep. Uh, the Swedish krona. And uh, what else? Uh, I I what type of character would you make? Would would you? Because I assume that you don't have to be a Blade Runner in the same way that in the Avatar RPG you don't you Mm. can make a merchant or something like would you want to be a capital B Blade Runner
0: I mean not necessarily I would really depend on the campaign I just I like cyberware I I am in in a lot of ways a fan of transhumanism I think in in the world of reality the concept scares me a little bit but in the world of like fiction I I love it
1: it's it's like a, it's an awesome trope. Yeah, I mean, I,
0: um, I I want somebody to scoop out my eyeballs and put metal ones in their place. Dude, do me
1: it. too. I've got my eyes hurt today. I could use some <laughs> cyborg eyes. Well, I today. mean, I, I don't have perfect
0: eye, I have perfect eyesight, and I'm almost wondering if they could correct color vision with that. Oh
1: too. yeah, for sure. You know, so theoretically, I mean, because had, I, I, had, I, I am red green.
0: Eyes. I'm red green colorblind, So if you could scoop my eyes out, and, and I don't have 20/20 vision. Yeah. So,
1: so you were you and I see well not uh, you the audience where you most of the audience and I see a wonderful field of green. Lance sees like a. Uh, brown, right? Yeah, mostly, yeah. yeah
0: so, I have a hard time telling the difference between greens, browns and stuff like that. So. Which,
1: uh, it'd be <laughs> it'd be really cool if that, it'd be yeah fixed, right? Yeah, just,
0: just scoop it out with an ice cream scoop, slap some, uh
1: <laughs> God, slap, that's terrible!
0: Slap some mechanical ones in there and, and let's go.
1: I'm sure that's the uh, official procedure. They say that right in the medical manual. <laughs> Grab yourself an ice cream soup and get really inside that uh, orbital cavity. The, the, um,
0: the, the dystopian corporate advertisement from <laughs> The oh yeah just, the commercial yeah, is like
1: cute anime girl with an ice cream scoop. with an
0: ice cream scoop and like in like cyber eyes in her other hand
1: oh gross all right so <laughs> warhammer fest is currently going on right now where they usually announce a bunch of stuff and that means new models uh even if you don't play warhammer there are uh warhammer rpgs and there is both a sci-fi setting called warhammer Forty Thousand or 40k and uh there are, technically, there's two fantasy ones. There's Warhammer, uh, the old world, mm-hmm. and then uh, or, or just Warhammer Fantasy Battles, or Warhammer Fantasy. Mm-hmm. All of those are basically the same thing. And then Warhammer Age of Sigmar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Regardless of your tabletop role-playing setting that you're currently playing in, and don't get me wrong, sometimes uh, the price points for Games Workshop models can be a little wonky, <laughs> but the quality of their models, I would say, is indisputable. And I have always wanted to paint a Skaven Deathmaster, which is a Ratman, a Ratman assassin guy. Okay. And they have just announced a new uh, Skaven Deathmaster model. And I'm going to show it to you right here. Look at that. Okay. It's I like weird. I like the way that he is perched up there holding a, uh, what is that? Like a that's like a-, a shuriken or a, a throwing glaive with yeah. poison oozing off of it. Yeah, I, that's, that's actually a pretty neat model. I mean, I... Games Workshop
0: puts out great models, but as somebody who is an avid 3D printer,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I just
0: I have I have issues with what they charge for that stuff, because I mean realistically, and I'm I'm not advocating for piracy, but it is one of those things where the cost of a 3D scanner is going to get cheap enough, eventually, that yeah. because I mean that that is kind of the missing link in being able to just kind of take these models and have somebody just post them all online. Is that that the three D scanners are not that that widely available? But um.
1: see, I I I wanted to like to make a case because they do have a very stellar team of artists, mm-hmm. right? And if you're not paying the company, then these artists aren't getting. Paid. No, I, I that's I'm, that's what
0: I'm saying. I'm not advocating for piracy. What I think is, and this is just me personally, that Games Workshop is eventually going to have to start selling these as STLs. I agree. Instead I of They'd get more and, of my money if they did that. Well, and that's that's the thing. I, like, again, I, I, I think that, that there's going to be a black market force correction of it. Eventually, you're going to get... I mean, you see them now. You can get on certain certain 3D print sites, and they won't call them Space Marines. They'll call them something else, but the model is clearly a, oh. a, space mar, a Warhammer 40K Space Marine, and you can just download the STL and 3D print it. Now, I am of the opinion that... I would rather buy the official STL's from Games Workshop. Yeah, cuz
1: the 100 are awesome. 100% They're of awesome. the time. Like most I, of the sculpts are
0: so good. Cool. Well, and I mean it's it's not like I haven't gone and paid $80 for an STL set yeah. that had a whole ton of different STL's. I'm, I don't I mean I don't play I don't play Warhammer, but I'm familiar with it. I like the models. And if I did pay pay for If I did play it, I would be
1: happy to pay Games Workshop for the STL's it's it's a it's a very kind of wonky situation because there's you can get like a box of two um, HQs are like like lieutenants mm-hmm. or commander types um, there's this and they're not necessarily part of any army but you look at a box of these like two cool looking commander guys uh, like there's a there's a guy and a girl uh, kind of uh, like witch hunter type characters mm-hmm. and uh, I think they're part of like Warcry or one of the skirmish games or something and it's like their box is somewhere near 40 or $50 for two models mm-hmm. at human size scale, 28, 32 millimeter. And that's like about 50 bucks. Or I can go get like 20 skeletons for 50 bucks. That's like, mm-hmm. what's well, the deal there? Right? Well, I mean, it's like there's a lot more plastic you, in the skeleton box, You, you right? just bought
0: a big terrain pack for like anything that we could hope for. It was 120
1: bucks, give or take? 130 bucks. Oh, Yeah. For, like, yeah. all this terrain. A pack of STLs. Yeah, a pack promise. of pack
0: of STLs, not actually printed minis. But, I mean, if you take that and then you add into it the cost of operating a resin printer, it's still light years cheaper than buying anything that, like, Games Workshop puts out. For artificial I, official terrain. Yeah, and- I really want to see Games Workshop finally kind of crack and have to start selling these STL files to people. I'd buy it. I so would I. I mean, that's that's the thing. If I don't even play it, I would paint it just to have a bunch of cool model Space Marines laying around my nerd cave. Yeah, like just... I would do that because I am I am a fan of the lore. I am a fan of like Warhammer forty k is one of my favorite favorite things. I've spent. You've read so many of the books. You've listened to
1: podcasts. I
0: I, ha- I went through and I have like the physical copies of almost every book in the entire Horse Heresy series and then I just recently went through and bought most of them in audiobook just so I could listen to them when I'm driving. Yeah. You know, so it's not like I don't, I have no problem giving Games Workshop money. Right. I just, I I want them to sell me a specific product that they don't want to offer and I think the reason they don't want to offer it is because they think they're going to keep making more money on these models.
1: And you know what, I'm, If they can, good for them. But eventually,
0: I, eventually that's not going to be a tenable yeah. business model. I that's your think. prediction. That's yeah. my my prediction is they will eventually be forced to start selling these STLs.
1: Well, one of the, when the time comes, maybe they will, and hopefully the STLs will be a lot more uh, affordable than the actual models. I think they would have to be. <laughs> imagine, imagine that. Imagine they start selling the STLs, but they're only like twenty percent cheaper. Mm-hmm. Oof. I mean, that, that, that would get some backlash. I mean, they could sell each, like, individual
0: minis STL for a couple of bucks and they'd make a killing. I think so.
1: Because, yeah. I mean, I would... And, and 3D printing is its own separate hobby. Like, not yeah. everyone wants to 3D print. It's no, a, they, it's, it can be a hassle sometimes. There would
0: still be people that would most definitely buy the actual, you know, pre-printed or pre, you know, the, the mold, injection mold miniatures that they have. Because but...
1: I, I will say, um, no matter how good... Like, I don't have a 4K printer. Mm-hmm. I don't... I have a 2K uh, yeah, 3D printer and I don't know maybe the 8K ones that are coming out now can do it but like I still see the print lines on no matter how yeah. you know and, oh, and yeah, you're, you're pr- so, when, you, when you get to paint on that injection mold plastic that with no print lines it feels pretty nice. No for
0: sure but I mean that's it's it's the kind of tr- cost trade off Yeah of
1: it, it's is, a cost to effect ratio. Yeah
0: I can print out a crap ton of, of you know miniatures with my 3D printer and while the quality might not be quite as high as it's going to be you know getting the injection molded stuff it's the fact that I, I you know what I want to instead of going out and buying you know 30 space marines I can go buy the STLs and print 30 space marines and the cost is going to be considered cheaper
1: yeah or you can print bits which would be nice yeah although the, All right, now that anyway. we've talked for game not talked about games <laughs> workshop in the news section for quite a while in summary the uh, Warhammer Fest has happened and regardless of your whether you play sci-fi or fantasy there are some cool models out that are that are on the horizon um I really want to paint uh, one of these new uh, Chaos Space Marines. Are finally getting some love. They have these dark Commune dudes. Like, look at this guy with the greatsword. Cultist-looking dudes? Yeah, these, these, yeah, they're like, you know, head cultists. I kind of is the feeling I get, but. Uh, very important. Chaos Space Marines are finally getting a second wound on their models, which means they're going to be a lot more durable. Basically, okay. like ever since Primaris Space Marines were a thing, the uh, Space Marines have had two health points, yeah. uh, to Chaos Space Marines one health point, uh, <laughs> which is not you know. So now they feel they're going to feel beefier on the tabletop for each individual model. But yeah, uh, check those models out. If for, if for some reason you've never heard of Games Workshop or Warhammer. Check out the models. They are really sweet models. Uh, you can buy like an individual commander that might fit your D&D heroes mm-hmm. theme. And as long as they fit on a relatively appropriately sized base, you can put them on the grid if you're playing a grid-based combat for your D&D game. Chaos
0: Gate came out this week,
1: too. That's true. That's a Warhammer, uh, Warhammer PC game yep. that is a turn-based based on oh. a tabletop game it's supposed so. to be like it's
0: a- XCOM with Grey Knights
1: yeah essentially I'm watching it I'm keeping, keeping it for us yeah wait for a you know wait for a Steam sale but I'll probably get it what about uh, what about what have you done recently in RPGs
0: um well let's see we've done uh, we've done a little bit of Call of Cthulhu stuff um we are we're slowly maybe unraveling the mystery of uh, what's going on in Arkham with the uh Creepy. Uh, well, uh, I guess Dan's dance scientist finally actually saw the thing, which had kind of a lupine face with what, like sharkish skin, and yeah, a, it was and, a, and a knife arm and a peg. Reflective
1: rubbery skin.
0: Yeah, and a knife arm and a peg leg, and that thing tried to chase him down and then punched a hole in his truck <laughs> with its knife hand. Um, so we did that.
1: And it was by virtue of the dice that that character survived yeah, he, chase. Yeah, he,
0: he got very close to getting killed, and his sanity has suffered a little bit from it, I think, too. Which is what happens in Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, that's, which is pretty pretty normal for Call of Cthulhu. And then uh, we played a little bit of our Pathfinder campaign, um, our forgot Pathfinder with Forgotten Realms. And we went
1: down to a uh, an underwater city. Yeah, yeah. Off, off the Sword Coast, down by the Nilanthar Isles. Yep,
0: and we negotiated with an angry Kraken. Or, I negotiated with an angry Kraken. Yeah, you negotiated with an angry Kraken. He is apparently looking for uh, a ritual that will uh, decurse an artifact. And uh, so now I've got to get that from him. So he will leave and give me the thing that I need in order to continue our, uh, our quest.
1: I, I'm curious, now that I have you here and we're talking about it, can you describe how you feel? your character feels when you come across powerful beings like that now that you got, cause you guys are high level. You guys are like level 16, mm-hmm. right? So you guys come across a big being like a kraken. like, what's the mindset that your character is in when you approach a imposing being like that, given that your character is right? cause you're not playing level one characters. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, see, if you're playing a level one character and you come across any big creature, you're scared, right?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I think the, the thing is with me and I, and I like this mystery Because I haven't dug into the stat blocks of a lot of these things. Um, Most because I haven't done really a lot of game mastering for Pathfinder. Um, I don't know how powerful he is. Mm -hmm. So what I don't know is, would it have been possible for our party to go down there and steamroll him? I feel like you made it pretty clear we probably shouldn't do that because he had a whole lot of dudes.
1: I thought action economy
0: is definitely not in our favor here.
1: Even if you steamroll the Kraken, the citizenry of the city will stop. Yeah, suffer, we, right?
0: we, there were a lot of, of roadblocks in place to keep us from picking a fight with the Kraken. But, I mean, moreover than that, apparently.
1: He's got a whole section of this Triton City. Huh? Yeah, like, he's ostich.
0: basically he, He's an occupying force in a section of the Triton City. They have all the Tritons in that section of the city on lockdown. And then he is, of course, a giant Kraken with great magical power. I, I prefer negotiating in a situation like that. Um, I, I go into these scenarios, and maybe it's because I'm typically more cautious in these kind of things. Like, my character specifically is more cautious. My assumption was, even if I was willing to sacrifice all the Tritons in the city to get what I wanted, we still probably weren't going to survive the encounter. Right. Which left us in a position where well, negotiating... I mean, I guess you don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, but it, it was fairly heavily implied. So that left me in a position where negotiation was the answer, which the good news is Aram is good at negotiation, and I enjoy doing it. I like playing a character that can do a little bit of talking. So I basically just talked to the Kraken, found out what he wanted, and said, Okay, well, if I can get you what you want, will you evacuate the city and give me the key? The key being a golden ship that we need to unlock this uh, pirate treasure hoard. Um, for the Pirate Queen that we're working for. If you guys have been listening to the past episode, you should have some idea what I'm talking about. And if not, go back and listen to it. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I went into it with a mentality that he, I, I don't know where the Kraken landed on my, my danger radar, but I knew that the combined Kraken cult plus the Kraken was not, not going to be fun. So I don't think that I went into it with, with a sense of dread because we did know that the other envoys had simply been sent away as opposed to being murdered. So I, I didn't feel like like active hostility was going to be the um, the
1: the first answer the first
0: answer. But then again, we also have some characters in our party that don't know how to talk to other beings and people that may or may not eventually get us into combat when we don't want to.
1: So I, I, and you're yeah. smiling as you say that, which means that it's an endearing character trait despite the problems that it brings up. Yeah, no, no, it,
0: it's <laughs> it. it, it as, as Dan often says, I don't create problems, I create adventures. And yes, while I'm not talking about Dan in this particular incident...
1: That's a we, quote from him. That
0: is Dan's quote. That
1: applies to the wizard of the party. He makes a lot of
0: wacky characters that go off, split the party, and do their own things. And he's always Dan has always said, I don't make problems, I make adventures. <laughs> and this is one of those scenarios where we have other characters in the party that tend to say things or do things that will agitate beings that could be a threat to us. When, you know, just shutting up probably helps. But, as Cody said, I'm smiling because it does tend to create adventures to see those things happen. So... I guess at this point now what we're trying to do is we're 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 tapping all of our contacts to see if we can find anybody that can get us this ritual for this kraken so we can get this key and get out of here and leave the Trident City.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, it's kinda of fun to have a non combat encounter with a yeah. powerful being, I feel like.
0: Oh yeah, we I mean we we murder plenty of things. It's... um
1: I personally uh I will pull the screen away for your sake as my co host, but when I was approaching this situation I'm trying, I approach this entire scenario with, like, the redemption. I'm trying to redeem myself for the uh, Crystal Rose Garden (laughs) incident, kind of. Well, you know... In which Aram was negotiating with a powerful being, and it was one of my biggest mistakes as a game master. So now here here you've got a... a, I'm kind of trying to provide an opportunity where he can... Do what he wanted to do in the first place, and, and I mean, it was—I I found it
0: to be very satisfying. The thing seemed to take—I wouldn't say a liking to me, but at least was willing to have a discussion. He didn't seem to—he he seemed to not believe me when I told him I would be able to find this ritual for him. So I'm hoping I can come through. But yeah, I mean, that's the plan here: is simply to get him to, uh, to you know, take the ritual and give me what I need and leave. Um, so the Tritons can get back to whatever they were doing before this clown showed up.
1: Yeah. And uh, I am eager to see where that goes in. Uh, well, not the next session. Well, next sessions, Call of Cthulhu. Yes, but
0: we got a couple of weeks before we. And even...
1: I feel like everyone, at least maybe because it's the shiny new car, mm-hmm. possibly. But everyone's more into Call of Cthulhu right now.
0: I mean, I, I could go either way. I like them both for very different reasons because they are very different games. So for me, it's like, Call of Cthulhu, I like it, because we kind of, tur- we, we, we turn the lights way down. It's and... like
1: scratching a different itch. Yeah, it's like, I'm... oh, you know, Pathfinder, my nose is itch- itchy. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then you go to Call of Cthulhu, and you've got a deep, deep crevice that you need scratched <laughs> that is dark and sweaty and... <laughs> That's gross.
0: <laughs> That's gross.
1: But yes. <laughs> an apt metaphor, an apt comparison.
0: But yeah, that was that was that was our encounter with the the Kraken. Um, I learned a few things because this is probably the first. I think this is the first Kraken I've ever bumped into in either Pathfinder or Five E. I didn't even realize they were intelligent until. Oh really? No, I, I had no idea. I just assumed it was a like really 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 big giant squid that was going to try to break a ship in half. It turns out this thing's negotiating with us.
1: I, and you, you gotta love Forgotten Realms naming conventions for, mm-hmm. for big scary creatures because it's not just dra- it's like not just Krakens dragons have a lot of ridiculous names too mm-hmm. but and and I said the name of the Kraken and Dan just lost it like, yeah he did that was a good three or four minutes of solid laughter the name of the, the Kraken is her Kragmaloop Yep. But I was just... I looked up notable Krakens in 5th edition uh, Forgotten Realms. And they've all got ridiculous they've, names. Most of them have mm-hmm. silly names. So I was just like, oh, I'll just follow this example. Yeah, we'll just give it a silly name and it'll yeah, we'll be fine. It, yeah. Uh, but you know Dan. He, yeah, laugh. he just, laughs at a lot of things. So. <laughs> he does, which uh, we love him the more for it. All right, so that's what we have done. Oh, I guess um, I should talk about... For our Norse fantasy thing, uh, I fin, you know, I, we talked in the previous episode that I had finished the bare bones of the cooking system, and now I'm talking about, uh, I haven't put it to paper yet, but working on the brewing system for magical mm-hmm. means and potions.
0: Yeah, our, our alchemy, we've decided to lean very heavily into the concept of brewing.
1: And, and I, I don't remember, uh, honestly, did you have that idea before or after Valheim came out?
0: Um, I don't even think I had an idea for a crafting system before Valheim came out. Okay, so it might be heavily inspired by Valheim. I might have been inspired by it, but (laughs) it may have also been inspired by the fact that I have learned to make mead because of the study. That's true, you have. Because, I mean, as as a part of this this project, obviously, we've done a lot of studying of Norse mythology and and, and Norse culture during that time. And yeasts. Uh, and, And for anybody that's listening that's a big purist on Norse culture, we have taken a lot of liberties with the game. It is a fantasy game. Based on Norse mythology, not a historic retelling of Norse anything.
1: So Correct. <laughs>
0: don't come into it with the expectations. It is
1: literally an alternate mythology.
0: Yeah. Don't yeah. don't come into it with the expectation that all of the iconography and lore is going to be spot on with the sagas. Although I have been through the sagas several times. In We're order
1: worried to... more about the thematics than the technical. Writing. That's
0: that's basically it. We want it to be a fun game that is centered around you know the the Norse pantheon and yeah. and, and 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 the kind of magic that they talked about in the sagas and stuff like that but we are not doing a well, this is not a this is not a historical tank so
1: speaking of brewing what are we drinking today oh um we have a uh, it's called
0: Shot Tower it is a from Potosi Brewing in Wisconsin Potosi
1: es- Brewing's Shot Tower Espresso it's Stout
0: an Espresso Stout Another you
1: know. Whoa, look, Cody and Lance are drinking another stout. Listen, wow. here's the thing, okay? I went <laughs> to the store
0: to get um, beer, and it's the time of year, apparently, I think, because... Because spring is well, I mean, we're spring almost. Spring has sprung. Spring has sprung. I think they're just trying to get rid of all the stouts that they have there because it's like front and center in all the shelves.
1: Soon it will be the time of the sour. Yeah,
0: and I, being a big fan of dark beers, have a hard time resisting good stouts when I get there. So when I'm looking at it, I'm like, Ooh, that piece sounds, of candy. Yeah, it sounds Ooh, delicious. Piece of candy, Ooh, piece candy you know. <laughs> so I mean, I would imagine this, as we get as we get into summer, I'll probably be drinking something a little lighter. But this was this was what was there, and this is what appealed to me. And uh, I like it, so if you don't, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> You're just, You're just going to have to deal with it.
1: All right. Well, <clears throat> today's main topic we're going to talk about uh, is a little bit of time travel, but not in... Well, we may or may not talk about time travel in your <laughs> game, or we can make a whole episode about that. But for starters, we have a question from a listener slash player in one of our games. So we've got the question. Well, here, I'll, I'll just read the email from one of, uh, one of my players that has been in my games since I first started uh, running games mm-hmm. in Deadlands, which is kind of interesting because he was there for the first time that I ran a game and it's relevant to his statement. So he says, uh, this is from our buddy Jared. He says, If you could go back in time and tell your brand new tabletopping self one thing or give him one piece of advice, what would it be? Keep up the great work, signed, the Blue Rose Winery, which I think is just a little bit of flavor, unless Moose is holding out on us and he's starting a winery. I mean, if he is, you
0: should let me know. I mean, we could swap brewing techniques since I know how to make mead and beer now.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, so that's the question. If you could go back, which for me is a mere half a decade, only five years ago did I start game mastering, but for you, Lance, this is a lot longer of a time when was the year can you remember which year exactly you started running games
0: um uh for I a second I think it was 2000 or no sorry I think it was
1: 1995 1995 I was my fr- four my freshman year in high school so I think it was 95 I was four for most of that year <laughs> just to put this into perspective uh turned five in, uh, in the fall but and you started with what game uh Shadowrun was the first game Shadowrun was thought, before yep. Deadlands mm-hmm.
0: Shadowrun second edition
1: so if you could go back in time to give yourself one piece of advice or tell yourself one thing to, and we'll probably talk about more than one thing, but what do you think is the most important thing that you would go back and tell yourself?
0: Don't get married after you get back from Iraq.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. No, uh, sorry, let me clarify. What's the most important piece of tabletop gaming? Oh, oh. Um. Wow tabletop. this 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 is like this is kind of a question oh, that that's funny. I think I,
0: I'd have to bifurcate it into what I would give myself for nice advice as a, as, a, as a player mm-hmm. and what I would give myself as
1: advice as a game master because I I, I guess that's true because um, your topping self started before game mastering right Yeah yeah, yeah.
0: I, I I mean we are uh, my buddy This is the game master speakeasy but players are also welcome. <laughs> my buddy Jason was uh, the one that introduced me to, to Shadowrun and he did most of the GMing for quite a while at least for the first couple of years that I was playing before I really, really dug into it. Um, so I guess we'll start with that since we're, we're running all the way back to freshman freshman uh, freshman year Lance and uh, him him learning the tabletops. Um, Lance with hair. Yeah, Lance <laughs> with hair. I don't have any that anymore. Um, I think that the thing that I would tell myself if I could go back would be to... Um, to focus more on your character's personality and backstory than their stats. When I first started in this in the tabletop thing, I was uh, I was a bit of a munchkin. Like it was all
1: And that kind of seems to be like an age I'm not trying to be ageist, but it is kind of like a a younger player thing. Yeah, right?
0: you you start out and I'm like I just want to blow things up. How can I get a, how can I roll as many
1: dice as possible and blow things up? So I mean it's, lo- it's around that this time that you would spend all night playing Final Fantasy. Right? Yeah.
0: So you're worried about character
1: strength and mm-hmm. stats and, and things like that. And that's that's
0: exactly that. So for that, I, I mean like I would make characters that were just literal psychopaths. And well, I, I think in the in the world of Shadowrun to do what a Shadowrunner does, you gotta be a little bit mentally unhinged. When I say psychopaths, I mean these guys were characters that would never have been hired by any Johnson at all whatsoever to do anything I mean, other than maybe like really nasty wet work. Like I need you to go and kill all of the gang members in this building unceremoniously, maybe. But I mean, any kind of level of corporate espionage, these characters weren't appropriate for. Right. But again, I was young, and to me, I was I was just playing a video game on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, the the role R O L E playing part of this was not as high a priority because I didn't really understand. Um, So I I would tell myself to go back and and really method act the characters better. You know what I mean? Like build a character that you can role play. And and that stuff comes with time. I mean, I I would imagine my kid's 13, he turns 14 this year. I would imagine any tabletop playing he's doing is probably very similar to what I was when I started, where it was like, I'm going to make a barbarian and I'm going to just bash goblin skulls in for fun without thinking too hard about it. But I mean, here's the thing. If you're young and that's what gets you into the hobby, great. That's the beer and pretzel you, style of game. You will eventually, probably, grow out of that and, and move on. Um, if I could go back and give myself any GMing advice. I mean, there, there, there's a lot on this list, but I'm, I'm trying to pick my favorite before I turn it over to Cody to hear what he's got to yeah, say. Yeah, that's
1: fair.
0: Um, I think the thing that I, I would probably give myself for advice would be to have more control over my table. Um, I'm a big proponent these days of making sure that as a GM that you're heavily involved in your player's character creation process to make sure that their characters fit into your setting. And so that the kind of the session zero, I need everybody to understand what kind of campaign we're running. Yeah. When I first started, it was a free for all. Make whatever kind of wacky clown character that you can come
1: up with. Show up Friday night with whatever you want.
0: Yeah, it, it just just show up and we'll figure it out. Well, what we ended up with was a lot of um, in-game character conflicts, especially in Shadowrun. Because in Shadowrun, you're kind of playing the A-team. Your goal is to have this, this group of professional or at least semi-professional um, agents, these, these assets that can be hired by corporations to go screw with other corporations. You know, so if everybody comes in with a free-for-all, you end up with some dude that's playing a character that's basically the Joker from Batman, you're like, you don't really have any good espionage skills, you're not doing anything, and you're just going to start executing hostages at the first opportunity. You know, and then you have somebody else in the party who's building a professional mercenary and the first thing they want to do is plug joker in the back of the head because he's more of a liability than an asset to the group so i think we had a lot of weird weird character interactions that come from me not having proper control over my games
1: okay and i think that's probably a good piece of advice to any newcomers is to take an active hand uh because Especially if you're worried about the tone of your game, right? Mm-hmm. If you're trying to run a grimdark setting and someone comes in with a happy-go-lucky uh, sprite uh, cleric of the <laughs> trickster god, yeah,
0: ever the optimist character.
1: Oh yeah, then things are then it might it just it's gonna
0: break break immersion a little bit. Maybe it, yeah, it, it might end up being a negative for the rest of the party who may have bought into the grimdark setting and and really wanted to
1: live that. Yeah, as an example. Mm-hmm. Um I would say that that is that's that's a good that's a good thing to take uh, notice of is what your players are going to be interested in mm-hmm. for their for their character creation. And it might help to, uh, something I read the other day, which makes perfect sense when you—it's one of those things that you come across, and it's something that you know, but someone phrased it better than you ever thought of it. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, rather than telling your players what's not allowed at your table, tell them what is allowed at your table. Yeah. Uh, start with, "Hey, we're playing in this setting. These are the options mm-hmm. that are available to you." So that way, they don't come and say, "Oh, hey, uh, is." Is inventor available, and you're playing a really low, low tech kind mm-hmm. of setting, fantasy setting, and you don't want an artificer with their yeah. all sorts of mechanical magic? Oh, this this it has got a laser
0: gun. Why? Yeah, yeah. It's not
1: for the one. Well, and, and as a broke teenager, it's not like I had
0: too many options outside of Shadowrun, because it's not like I could afford to go buy a bunch of books.
1: Well, and you got your books hand-me-down too, didn't yeah, you? Well, yeah. Well, that I was, mean, was like a...
0: Jason bought most of the books. I think all of us kind of chipped in a little bit. Yeah. And then when he stopped game mastering, he just handed me a box. And he said, like, here, just take it. I'm not going to use it anymore.
1: Yeah, it was just a passing of the
0: torch. Yeah, I've still got a handful of like, original um, Shadowrun, a couple of the first edition books, most of the second edition books, third edition books. I mean, I've got a ton of them. Um, but I, I think in a scenario, like assuming that you are an adult with some financial means listening to this, I think another good piece of advice that that you you could take from this is don't be afraid to change settings if that's what your players want. Oh, yeah. And what I mean by that is if you've got a group of people that are really, really into fantasy and the only book you've got at home is Shadowrun, Shadowrun does have some fantasy elements to it, admittedly. But, I mean, if they're looking for... For something, you know, more like, what, 5th edition? But also, at
1: the same time, it takes place in future Seattle. <laughs> yeah. no.
0: That's what, what I mean is, there's magic, there's orcs, there's elves, there's trolls, there's dwarves. There's also cyberware and VTOLs and, uh, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Cyberware. So, I mean, it has fantasy elements, but it is in no way a fantasy setting. So, if you have, you know, players that are looking for a certain thing out of their game, you know, focus on that. Like if, if that means that you have to change settings from from the game that you have at home to buying something new, there's nothing wrong with that because if you're if if their characters are all kind of like let's say you've got some dude that wants to play a member of a knightly order and he's trying to shoehorn that idea into a shadow run game,
1: it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard. Not impossible, but, but it, it's gonna be hard. It, that's one of those situations for me where I think it it becomes a source of inspiration for um trying to find out why. Why is this Knightly Order existing? Mm -hmm. And and rather than saying, okay, this is one of those situations where you as a game master can say, okay, but... (laughs) ...to try and uh, keep justice afloat in the world. Uh, So it's kind of a... You've got the scenario where you can take your characters... Well, I mean, we're hearkening back to your involvement. You know, what Mm. you would tell your young self. Take control of character creation and how your game yeah, runs. Yeah,
0: you've got to get your characters at that point to buy into okay. I'm willing to uh, willing to put together kind of a knightly order for you, but you have to make sure that this is going to fit into modern parlance, right? You know, like like The Kingsman, for example they don't wear big metal armor and swing swords they all have guns and gadgets they and have
1: bespoke of... suits
0: yeah that is their suit of armor exactly that's yeah. that's their thing so I mean if you can get the player to say okay well I like the concept that you're coming up with but in order for it to work in this particular universe certain
1: concessions certain con- yeah, I, yeah you
0: know certain concessions I mean I did the same thing one of my uh, one of my earlier characters in Deadlands was uh, a Catholic abomination hunter from a, a, an order that I just made up yeah yeah you know and, and that was kind of that same shtick But, and while he did have a sword, he also had a pair of guns and you know what I mean? Like, because I had to fit him into the old west. So I mean that's that's a very similar concept. So yeah, but you could do something like that. You just you have to make sure everybody's on board because I'm not going to run a Shadowrun campaign where some dudes run running medieval armor in the
1: bronze. No, that'd be <laughs> like, I'm not doing it. Running it's, through the streets of Seattle in yeah, plate mail. That's not happening. That's going to draw some <laughs> attention. It's
0: going to take it's going to take everybody else out of the game. As a game master, it's just hard to deal with. I'm going
1: to call out Taco right now. Okay. So the, the the Shadowrun character Taco who was. Who was uh what was he an ogre or an orc or uh, orc probably orc or troll. No, troll that's what i'm trying okay. to think of he was the 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 troll character who just really did not belong as a shadow runner <laughs> um just because of his his attitude and style yeah um you that you, you could have made you know that would have been a scenario scenario where a person might say okay but we need to change how this character works mm-hmm. a little bit because i as a player felt like that character was a little disruptive yeah to the gameplay which don't get me wrong um I think that's one of the things that I... I don't know if it's the most important thing that I would tell myself, but whether I'm a player or a game master, I think one of the things that I would tell myself is, hey, you're going to make some mistakes. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I would go back and tell myself is, uh, you're going to make some mistakes. Just to give yourself fair warning that no matter how
0: perfect you think it's going to be it's never going to be that perfect
1: yep and ter- so i'm going to do what you did i'm going to break it up into my player okay. advice and my uh jam advice and honestly as a player i felt like i did pretty well i was already in my um mid-20s mm-hmm. right? i was not coming out of a a video game teenager mindset no not no, that you... all teenagers are going to be munchkins but
0: it, it, it's easier at that age to justify doing that. Based
1: than... on personal experience of reading anecdotes online, that seems to be mm-hmm. the case and the trend. That Just the younger st- players. Statistically more common. Yeah, statistically more common. That's all. Um, not a generalization saying that all teenagers are going to be like that, but I think especially with um, the popularity of Critical Role, more people. Upfront will realize the value of role playing. Yeah, it's a different age now well, than it was 15 years I ago. I
0: was going to say that was you know when I was doing it, these things still hadn't reached that like media critical mass right. that they have today. I mean it was it was not a popular hobby. You know I was it was very very few people that you I were in knew the rule, right? Yeah,
1: because in the you know there was no D&D cartoon airing at the time that you mm-hmm. were starting, but there was one before your time. Yeah. But then you had entered the, the bottom part of the valley in mm-hmm. tabletop uh, uh, kind of popularity. There was a resurgence, I think, ever since 3.5's popularity. We've been building up. Uh, and then there was, of course, the fourth edition, which then became Pathfinder. But mm-hmm. I think I feel like, as someone who was not involved at the time, I don't know what the the sales data shows, mm-hmm. but I f- it, as someone who has been cognizant of tabletop role-playing games existence from a young age it feels like since 3.5 dnd has come out that we have been climbing the mountain towards the peak that is yeah, well, currently and, for and the and i think just
0: state. like acceptance of the hobbies yeah exactly too. oh like, for sure
1: now now it's cool to be a nerd these yeah days. It's, in, in, in general just... <laughs> compared to the 90s and oh, earlier yeah, no, sure. it is now <laughs> chic to be a nerd i was a nerd before it was cool <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Um, however, so my advice to my young player self uh, has little to do with mechanics um, or role playing. I would tell myself, "You don't need so many sets of dice." Well, I was going to say, maybe you tell yourself to take a higher vigor score. That was uh, that's my second point. I have, <laughs> yeah, uh, is I don't need so many sets of dice and don't dump my vigor score. Those are the two yeah. pieces. Of but here's the thing: that is one of the that is one of my more memorable experiences <laughs> i played to my character's flaw the dice were not pleasant to me no they were not it was so i'm sorry what <laughs> i said no they were not oh okay <laughs> yeah they were not the pleasant dice to beat me you up that night yeah uh but yeah i don't have a lot of advice for my player self when uh i would almost just tell myself get into running a game sooner would mm. be my piece of it because i because i took <laughs> to it right so
0: you're 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 basically your advice to your player self is just just start jamming now.
1: Yeah, just start jamming now. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah fair. just don't don't wait three years before you get interested in it. Um, Run a game now. Yeah. Because uh because it's it's kind of you'd uh you'd the, the, the th- thing. Th- like I'm I th- I feel like my identity is more of a game master well, than a player I'd,
0: now. You'd have three years more experience yeah. and stuff like that. If you could go
1: back and, and, and suffice to say, maybe my time as a player helped build my empathy towards players. Like, yeah. so maybe that was a good thing. Who knows? But I have more impactful advice to, right before I start Game Mastering, I would go back in time and tell myself, I would tell myself, don't sweat it. Which, now, I, I completely understand. You can't just tell a person that has anxiety, hey, don't have anxiety. Yes. Right? <laughs> but still, you, you, I would go back and say, hey, what if you were actually good at this? Like tell- give myself a what-if statement. Like, yeah. hey, what if you? What if this is something that you have a knack for? Um to try and get my earlier self into the mindset of not stressing too much about the upcoming session. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that I have gotten better at. I still feel it from time to time. And I know that anyone who is here that has uh, and is and will Game Master, you feel the pressure probably of the upcoming session. And you you feel like it might become a job, right? That is something that you run the risk of when you're doing anything on a regular basis that has responsibility attached to it. Mm-hmm. If you don't do anything to prep for your next game session, you're going to have to improv everything. Which, if you are a better improving game master, more power to you. But I think that a lot of my sessions where I have come away and the players said, Wow, that was an amazing session, Cody. Uh, They're usually the ones that I kind of threw caution to the wind and did not stress over the prep Mm -hmm. as much. I still did some prep, but I didn't worry about it as hard and I didn't prep a whole lot. I prepped just enough of a skeleton to wrap the meat of the session around. I think that it's something that I need to pay more attention to um, is that the more free-form... Because we run a more open-ended campaign, we're not running. We don't run adventures. Uh, I have never. I've run. I've tried to run Storm King's Thunder once, and I was not very good at running a pre-written adventure. That's. I, having done it now, think I could do it better in the future, mm-hmm. uh, by taking more control of character creation yeah. and roping it into the existing story. But, uh, I would tell myself, try not to sweat it so much. You're. You're gonna do. Good at this, and I would tell myself, "Hey, I have been doing it now for five years. People are still showing up to your game." Is what I would tell my own. Well, self.
0: I can't speak to like I know that we we've got we've reached an era where the internet has allowed a lot of people to game online, which has caused a lot of people to game with complete strangers, sometimes for pay, <laughs> you know. And so I, I don't know that I can I can attest too much to that, but. If you if you're with a group of friends playing tabletops, they're just happy you're GMing. Yeah, you are, are. You are far more worried about the quality of product that you're putting out than they are. They are there as that's that's poker night. You know what I mean? Like for those of us that don't play poker, that's that's when you get to get together with your friends. You get to BS. You get to laugh, and you all get to enjoy this tabletop game. Which is just your poker night. It's the thing that you like to do when you get together with your friends. They're they're happy to be there, and they're happy to have somebody who's willing to put in the effort to GM. Because most people that are playing the game are playing the game because they don't want a GM.
1: <laughs> There's actually a podcast called Nerd Poker, which is a uh, actual play of Dungeons & Dragons, mm-hmm. where the GM is uh, Brian Posehn, the comedian. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's very funny that you should bring yeah. up poker night, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's that's what it is. So you know you're going to be you probably in
0: most cases I, I've experienced it. Cody obviously has because he's talking about it. Yeah, you're going to be your own biggest critic as yes. a GM. You are going to be sitting here fretting about these little decisions that you're making and stressing and building up all this anxiety. And here's the reality: your players don't really care. Yeah. They are there. They're already having a good time. They keep showing up because they're having a good time. And they're just grateful that somebody is willing to do the heavy lifting that is GM.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and that, that advice does not apply uh, to people that are putting their games online as an actual play podcast. The random people on the internet are going to be your biggest critic. But the yeah. people
0: that are running those that's, games that's don't need like, our advice. Like, like the, <laughs> the internet gaming thing aside... Yeah, yeah. internet you know, gaming aside... If you're just, if you're one of those people that's GMing for a group of your friends or coworkers, you get together once or twice a month or once a week or whatever, and, and you sit down in a room with other human beings rolling dice and playing these games. And you're boosted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> you are more worried about it than they are. That's just a fact. I promise you that Cody spends more time worrying about what I think of his game session than I'm spending worrying about what I think of his game session.
1: That's pr- And that's very true. And that's one thing that I would try and put into the head of my younger self. Don't get me wrong. I, I say that a lot. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm going to get you wrong. I empathize with those who have these anxieties. and If you have anxiety, you can't just wave a hand can and have it go away, but you can take active steps to manage this anxiety. Uh, try and do the fake it till you make it thing. Mm-hmm. That actually works sometimes. If you wake up and look in the mirror and say, I am a more than competent GM, or I am a great GM, I can put together a storyline. Eventually, you will probably start to believe it. Yeah, that's fair. And, I mean, if your players aren't,
0: you know, constantly volunteering to take over the GM duties, that probably means you're doing a good job.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, If I had a second piece of advice to give myself, it would be don't get lazy with names. Uh, Yeah. I I know, I know as a game master, and I'm still doing it, that uh, if you haven't named an NPC you should have a list of names ready rather than trying to think of one on the fly. Names
0: are so hard. They're so hard because you bump into so many... Irrelevant characters yep. that your players will find a way to accidentally make relevant. Yeah, you know, you'll you'll always have the one or two people in your group that want to role play with
1: everybody. With absolutely every everybody. single like they
0: they can't just walk into a store. But that's like their sh- fun. They no, like and it is. I'm not. Play. No, I'm not dogging their fun, but. Like, they can't just walk into a general store and say, hey, I want to buy this, how much is it? Yeah. And walk out without ever knowing the... Hey, what's your name? Yeah. How many kids
1: do yeah, you have? Without, without, what
0: without- charities are you involved <laughs> like, with? They, they can't- do you know the Red Dragon? <laughs> yeah, they can't walk in and out without knowing the ancestry of the guy behind the counter, whether yeah. it's a guy or a girl. Like... You know, like the the, an adequate description. They want to hear the voice of the character, and like they want to talk about that character's life. And as a GM, you can't,
1: you can't shirk it.
0: Well, you you can't can't
1: skimp on that. One, you can't shirk it, and
0: two, you can't pre prep for all of it. No, there's no way. I mean, if they even if they are in a small village of several hundred people, are you going to pre gen several hundred NPCs? No, you don't. Important. You don't have that kind of time, which means maybe you help yourself out by having a list of random names where you can just be like oh you want to know this npc's name close your eyes touch the spot on your sheet where you've got the name yeah. that's the character's name you're done write it down cuz they're going to bring it
1: up later but make sure you annotate it don't don't actually do that on the spot but <laughs> because you want to keep the illusion that uh-huh. this person had the name yeah. don't don't close your eyes and point no, at no the I mean, sheet. don't don't show your players yeah don't show that your players that, players that you did But that. I mean if you get your laptop in front of you just
0: scroll down and yeah. it, all right that's the name we're taking
1: because it really reinforces the illusion that the world is real when the players Ask and the person just says their name. Yeah, it's a very small but impactful thing mm-hmm. that I, occ- I occasionally do get lazy about it, and I mm-hmm. still to this day get lazy about it, and I'm I, I am a little ashamed of it, but I will. I would go back in time and tell myself, "Hey, don't get lazy with the names. You're
0: you're better at it than I am. Half the time when I start my session, I got to ask you guys what the
1: NPC's names were from last <laughs> session. Hey, you yeah, take what, notes. what was his name? Uh, uh, what was the what was the king's name you again? You meet the uh, fisher. His name is Guy Manfredson. But yeah, that's uh do you have any other last pieces of advice that you would go back in time to tell uh, yourself? Hmm you've so far taken control of character creation i know um right now this is something that moose does like i we've talked about it before that i'm inspired and it's actually one of the the concepts of dungeon world where you let the mechanics of a game be informed by the narrative um so for instance if you if like one of the characters uh absolutely destroys the captain of a group there's no mechanic baked into the system that says, Oh, now all of the enemies are feared of you. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you go through the trouble of saying, Oh, everyone cowers back and is uh, intimidated by your action. Give all the enemies feared. Right. That's something that uh, some people are more free flowing with the rules to use the rules to reinforce the narrative. And I have had a problem with this but I have observed that when it happens, people have more fun. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, I, I think if I had
0: another piece of advice to give myself, it would be to stop over-preparing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am the kind of guy that when I get an idea for a campaign in my head, and I don't do it anymore, but I used to do it real bad, um, I would go through and try to outline like, at least like the bare-bones of the entire campaign front to back. And then I would also prepare several sessions in advance. No, don't do that. Please do not do that to yourself. Just trust me, your players will derail everything you plan.
1: Yeah, plan about one session. Plan,
0: Yeah, one session ahead is all the further you need to plan because, I mean, Pathfinder, we had to kind of stop early at the last session because you hadn't anticipated my plan to to get st- the well my my because we our group knows a number of uh very powerful um casters as you should at level sixteen. Yeah, as we should at level 16 but i mean there, there's this this literal organization of wizards um and cody hadn't anticipated my plan to well if we're looking for a, a very powerful ritual to to decurse an artifact Let's go there first. Yeah. Like, that was my plan. And, and, and so, you know, I pitched that idea and we, I told the Kraken. I was like, well, well, give me a chance to go get you this thing that you need. Um, and then I'll come back and then you can leave and you can give me the key and everybody's happy. And then, you know, we got out of that, that section of the city and I was like, okay, we need to go back and talk to Varala, which is our, our favorite Lich Queen. Um, who is Everyone a member Everyone should have a
1: favorite Lich Queen. Who's
0: a member of this this organization of wizards. And we're going to figure out if any of these wizards, um, which one of our, our wizard is actually a member of this group, knows this ritual for us. Because, well, that's the probably the greatest set of contacts we would have for something in this context. Cody didn't apparently think that I was going to think of that. so no, I, I had
1: not planned for so, it. So I, did, I couldn't remember that NPC's name off the top of my head. I don't remember where I stored that information. So I called the session about yeah, 20 so minutes
0: early. Yeah, I was going to say, So we, we, we left 20, 30 minutes before we would have normally left the session because Cody's like, well, i got to go prepare for this, yeah. figure out how we're going to resolve it, which is, that's okay as a GM, too. Don't be afraid to call the session because you might not have planned for what the players had, and if they had a really good idea... They're going to be more satisfied with, this, with the campaign if you quit a session early to give credence to the plan that they had. No
1: gaming is better than bad gaming.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's I would rather quit a half an hour early and then have the next session be like, okay, I took your plan into consideration. We've accounted for it. Here's how we're going to run through it. Then for a game master to say railroad you because they had a plan for how they thought you were going to do it. And instead of taking into consideration your plan, they're just kind of, Gently poking you with a stick to get you back in the direction they
1: want you to begin with. Yep. So in summation, for player advice, we've got uh, uh, don't be a munchkin. Try to to lead more into the R-O-L-E playing. Uh, You don't need as many dice. (laughs) (laughs) I would say... um, I have uh, literal pounds of dice at home. You know, I would go back and tell myself, "Hey, you're doing a good job reading the rules. So read the rules. <laughs> uh, you're, so read the read through the rules of your class and the the game's mechanics. For game masters, take more control of character creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't sweat it. Have, so you know, try and have a little more confidence, uh, and don't get lazy with names. And what was that last thing you just said? It was about the uh, oh, don't play don't, too oh, far ahead. Yeah, don't over prep. Don't yeah, don't play too far ahead. Don't plan too far ahead. If you're... Yeah, because you don't know what kind of crazy things will happen with your players. You have to remember, the players are a part of the design of the story.
0: It is a cooperative
1: narrative experience. If you
0: plan the whole thing out and you don't give them the
1: opportunity to ruin your plan... Go write a novel. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Go write a book. (laughs) Yeah. Go write a book. All right. So we have been Cody and Lance... Uh, Of the Game Master Speakeasy, we hope you have enjoyed your time here being served by Anya. Uh, If you have gotten one of these delicious espresso stouts, I hope you agree. Um, After having finished the can, I would say that it is very smooth. I like the classic coffee mocha taste to it. It's very smooth. I'm very appreciative of you bringing it today. Thank you. I I know what I'm about. (laughs) Um, If you would like to hear more of the game master speakeasy you can find us on youtube spotify apple podcast google podcast iheart radio if you would like to uh, tweet at us you can find the um record button production group on twitter uh, we are also the our producers are on instagram facebook TikTok. uh this these videos are uploaded on the record button production group youtube channel if you would like to message lance and i specifically with questions comments topics concerns just want to give us positive feedback negative feedback uh hopefully positive feedback whatever gmspeakeasyofficial (laughs) at gmail.com once again gmail er, or our gmail account is gmspeakeasyofficial at gmail.com where you can send us questions like the one we answered today thank you again moose uh thank you for being a player in my group thank you for sending us a question we hope to hear from other listeners soon. Uh, In regards to that, do you have any final thoughts, Lance? Just get home safe. Get home safe. See ya!